0: Dear listeners, remember our show from last year with the incredible Esther Perel, therapist and relationship expert? It's one of my favorite episodes. And clearly, I'm not the only one that feels that way because, well, it just won a Webby Award for People's Voice in the advice slash how-to podcast category. I am very proud of this. Thanks to everyone who voted. Your support means the world. And for those of you who haven't listened to the episode yet, get on it. It's award-winning. And I love Esther Perel. Also, Mother's Day is around the corner. So I wanted to wish all the mothers and mother figures out there a very special day Daughters, sons, husbands, wives, grandchildren, nieces, mentees. Shower the wonderful women in your life with the praise and gratitude they deserve. And for those of you whose mother is not in their lives or no longer in their lives, I am thinking of you as well. Now, um, on with the show. What what are those things where you put ants in there and they live in the...
1: In a piggy bank? Ants in the Pants?
0: Well, one of those things, I don't Remember that game, Ants in the Pants? Where you can watch the ants build tunnels. Ant farm. Yeah, an ant farm. Right. And then before (laughs) the ants, (laughs) (laughs) what's that? I'm thinking, piggy bank? (laughs) Yeah, we put ants in the piggy bank. What the hell am I talking about? This is Don't Ask Tig. I'm Tig Notaro, and if you're still asking, you must be clueless. Today's guest is an actor who has starred in movies like I Love You, Man, This is 40, Anchor Man, and Ant-Man, in which he plays Ant-Man himself. Paul Rudd, welcome to Don't Ask Tig, and thank you so much for being here. Thank you,
1: Tig. It's a pleasure to be here. I realize I'm in mean, a lot of movies that end with the word man. <laughs> yeah.
0: Have you never noticed that?
1: No, well, not, not really. I mean, I thought when you said in your intro, when you were talking about Clueless, uh-huh. that was the perfect segue into Clueless, which was the second movie I ever did, but the first to ever come out. And then instead it was other movies you mentioned, uh-huh. all ending in man. So yeah, I think it really was the first time I ever I kind of put that together.
0: Well, I was referencing your movie when I said Clueless.
1: Oh, that's why I thought of it. (laughs) I think maybe I'm the one who's clueless.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Snuck right by you. Now, several years back, Paul, you welcomed me and my wife into your upstate New York home after I demanded a meeting Because we were potentially looking to buy a house in the area, yep. and you didn't really know me that well. And then maybe a year ago, I got an out-of-the-blue email from you saying you were going down a rabbit hole watching all of my stand-up specials again. Oh, yeah. You're just one of those guys where I don't ever hear anything bad about you. I guess my point is why you got to be such a nice guy.
1: Oh, I'm really not. You know, we have a couple of mutual friends, so Uh I think maybe you're only hearing about stuff (laughs) about me from them, and they're friends, so they're going to say nice
0: things. Well, I like to believe what they're saying.
1: (laughs) But I do remember sending that email, because it was true. I had been watching – I mean, I'd seen you do stand-up for years, but it was really fun to just kind of really revisit some of those specials. And, man, they're so funny. You're so funny. And it was – yeah, so I just – Wanted to tell you that I had been doing that.
0: It's so nice.
1: And I was so excited to have you at my house upstate and was really, I mean, I was really trying to make that happen. I really wanted you to get a place right next to me and then we could, you know, have that kind of uh, life where maybe I'll send you a text and say, hey, what are you doing? Do you want to come over for some eggs and pancakes this morning? Or uh, let's go to the farmer's market. And, you know, like that just sounds great. And I wish that... uh I wish you were my neighbor.
0: We haven't given up. We still haven't made the step. Yeah. But we have been on a mission and looking. And of course, with the pandemic, everything stopping and then everyone buying every bit of property. Right. Yeah. Um, there are no homes left anywhere, almost, in that area.
1: Nothing's available mm-hmm. as far as a home, land, cars wood yeah <laughs> just everything is stopped right so it, everything's m- much harder hopefully it'll ease up sometime soon
0: now you're the co-owner of samuel's sweet shop in rhinebeck new york which uh, i personally visited when we went on that trip actually many trips after that stephanie's mother ended up renting a house in rhinebeck oh really so we ended up spending a lot of time there we brought our children to the candy shop and what drew you to the candy business and how much candy do you personally eat?
1: Well, I eat a lot of candy. I really like candy. I like candy that is intended for little kids. Uh I always have
0: like one of those big swirly, colorful lollipops where you just lick something the size of your face. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I like those.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I like Mike and Ike's and you know, anything that's kind of like like sprees or bottle caps. And it is true that I'm a co-owner in this candy store, but it wasn't anything that I had planned on doing. It just happened that this candy store existed when I moved close to the town. When I went to Rhinebeck, I didn't really know anyone there, but I went into this candy store called Samuel's and there was a guy working there named Ira. My son was, I don't know, three years old or something. And Mm. He said, Jack, when you're old enough, you can work here. He was this really sweet guy. And this little candy store in this town was idyllic and nice. And all the you know high school kids worked there. And anyway, it was uh, really sad. But he was a young guy in his 50s. He had a heart attack. He died. Oh. And his family wanted nothing to do with his business. And Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Hillary Burton, they're married. They're uh, neighbors of mine up there and, and friends. And we were talking, they also knew Ira. And then our other friend, Andy, we all went in together and bought the candy store kind of with the idea that we just wanted to keep it for the town. Yeah. And uh, then there's a guy named John Traver who had worked there since he was a teenager. And now he was in his early thirties and he wanted to run the candy store. And so he does.
0: That's incredible.
1: That's how it all happened. Yeah, years ago.
0: They also make a good latte there.
1: Oh man. Well, the one thing we really wanted to, kind of up the game was in the coffee department because Uh we have pastries and cookies. It isn't just candy, yeah. but the coffee is out of sight.
0: You know what I just remembered actually is that Stephanie wrote a movie based on a story that we came up with that Judd is producing, that Stephanie is going to direct, that takes place. It's as if we move- to Rhinebeck. I can't believe I forgot to mention that. Oh, my God. Yeah.
1: It really is full circle.
0: Yeah. I mean, you
1: really are destined to live there. We, I, <laughs> We're going to go our, to the our, farmer's market. The universe is pointing you in this direction. Yes,
0: yes, for sure. Paul, as we mentioned before, you play Ant-Man in Ant-Man. And my son, Max, is absolutely obsessed with ants. What can he learn from ants? Boy,
1: we can learn a lot from ants. How to work mm-hmm. together as a society. Yeah, Putting the colony first mm-hmm. above individualism. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if we, if we could learn this from ants, but if for some reason we were all wiped out by a flood, we could all hold onto our hands and arms and, and maybe form a, a raft and float. Ants can do that. Yeah, there are some ants. I think they're called trap jaw ants or something. They have a their jaw snaps open with the force of like a bullet hundred times over and they put their head on the ground and they open their jaw and they'll fly up three feet in the air and they'll escape predators and things that way.
0: Oh my god! I don't know
1: what we can learn from that, <laughs> but it's just cool.
0: It's so <laughs> yeah. cool. It's incredible.
1: There are so many different kinds of ants that do so many weird things. I never knew this. By the way, I never did. I get this job. You're supposed to do research when you get an acting job, right? Yeah. So I re- researched ants. <laughs> I'm not that I would ever use any of this in the movie, but, they're but I learned a lot about ants. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We got Max, a little ant farm. And then before the ants arrived, because you have to order ants for the ant farm, he mm-hmm. found ants in our backyard and just put them in the ant farm. And sadly, they did not make it. Oh, no. They were not the right ants, I guess. And so mm. that's a sad story.
1: So wait, you have to order an ant farm, but then you have to order the ants separately.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You you get excited about the ant farm, and then you have to wait two to three weeks <sighs> for the ants to arrive. I don't get it. Maybe there's a better option out there, but we sure didn't do it. Have the
1: ants been affected by COVID? Like cars and houses? Is it tough to get ants now because of the chain of...
0: Gosh, I don't think so. Not yeah, I, I don't know.
1: So it hasn't ruined everything.
0: Almost. But their ants are still doing all right.
1: Ants are still on time?
0: Yeah, I think right. so. <laughs> now, Paul, you're our second guest who's been on the list of People Magazine's sexiest men alive, but unlike our other guest, Sanjay Gupta, you were named the sexiest man alive in mm. 2021. What makes you sexier than Sanjay?
1: Uh, well, I'm the wrong person to ask because in my book, no one's sexier than Sanjay Gupta.
0: I, I gotta agree. I mean, he is a catch.
1: The brain on that guy? Yeah. He's also reassuring.
0: hmm
1: When we're really in trouble. hmm When this all started, this pandemic, like Sanjay Gupta was the guy I would go to. Yeah. He was, uh, he was the source. It was like Fauci was like that too. You know, there are a couple of people where it's like, okay, I want to listen to what they have to say and all right, I can breathe a little easier. With this mask on. So I, I I don't think that I'm sexier than Sanjay Gupta.
0: But do you feel that you're sexier than a lot of other people? Yeah. 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 Okay. Paul, it's time for you to help me give advice to my listeners. Okay. All right? Yep. Our first question is from a listener in Seattle. Oh. Mimi J writes, Dear Tig... First of all, I'm really sorry to hear about Cowboy Rick's passing and wish to share condolences. Paul, you might be wondering who Cowboy Rick is. He was my stepfather since I was two, and he passed away unexpectedly. He was basically the star of my TV show, One Mississippi. And so I think that my fans really connected to that loss because they got to know him on that show. I'm sorry. Well, thank you. So that's what they're referencing. I also want to mention also (laughs) that Cowboy Rick is what my kids called my stepfather. That was not his God-given name. Okay. So Mimi J. writes, hope you and your family have all the time and support you need to get through this. Now here's my question. Seven years ago, I moved from Boston, where I have a thriving social life, to Seattle, where my social life is just a whisper. It's been disappointing. Five years ago, I met my husband, and we got married during the pandemic. He has less than a whisper of a social life. We are kind and interesting to each other and have a lovely time together. But it recently occurred to us that we are not likable people. We don't know why. Perhaps it's an energy we give off, or maybe we unwittingly scowl when we're not engaged in conversation. Either way, we're not winning people over. We don't think it's healthy to just hang out together, and we want to make friends, but we need help being likable. How does one become more likable? Paul, do you have any feelings? Well, you
1: you know, even by just that letter, I think these must be likable people. I I mean, I thought that was actually a very... Thoughtful
0: mm-hmm. thing that she wrote. Yeah,
1: we have to recognize the situation we're in right now. You're, you haven't been there that long, and there was a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Everyone is kind of still tentatively working their way back into the world. They're seeing friends that they hadn't seen for a while. They're reconnecting. Mm-hmm. This is like everything else. Probably just going to take a, a a little bit of time.
0: It is weird timing.
1: It's a weird timing. I think that yeah. timing is, you know it's a big, big deal. I would say maybe you're going to Seattle. Maybe um, you can always start uh, a conversation with anybody there and say, oh boy, how about this whole uh, Russell Wilson trade to the Broncos? <laughs> and um, I would think that maybe that would be a, a subject that a lot of the people that you meet in Seattle would have very strong feelings about. And it's a good way to kind of start a conversation.
0: But what if this person, Mimi J, doesn't have follow up information? Because if I took that suggestion of yours and then mm-hmm. I guess you could just follow it up with, I, I don't know anything. Yeah, you don't about know. It's, this I'm, is just, I'm
1: just throwing this out there. And then it's I'm new like, to town. Yeah, I'm new to town. People are really upset about the Russell. What? Tell me about the, how are you feeling about this? Because really, uh, if you can just listen to people, mm-hmm. then people feel as if they've been heard and they're ready to start a, a friendship. Yeah. It's like, wow, this, this person kind of is listening to my uh, gripes or whatever.
0: Right. I think also, I mean, I don't know, you know, I love Seattle. I go there all the time to mm-hmm. perform. But, you know, sometimes cities can be a little cliquish. And um, yeah. it's not like a small southern town or Rhinebeck like we're talking about. And it's also a city that where people are likely hiding under umbrellas and raincoats. And, right. You know, trying to get out of the rain and reading a book in a snuggly little coffee shop.
1: Yeah. I would not worry about it too much. You know, if you've Mm -hmm. come from a place where you had a pretty strong social circle, chances are you're a pretty social person. I would imagine you're much more likable than you're giving yourself credit for. So I would say, you know, it's a weird moment in time. And it takes sometimes – it just takes a while to kind of form – friendships, especially one right out of a pandemic when everyone is still kind of testing the waters.
0: Well, and also she met her husband and got married during the pandemic. I feel like that's also something because you can tend to lose your social abilities when you get into a relationship or you're a newlywed Mm -hmm. and you can kind of forget to reach out to people or interact. But I mean, it sounds like they're actively trying to.
1: It is weird. You know, like, I think as soon as people started to kind of go over to people's homes again or go to Mm -hmm. restaurants and it it took a while and it's still taking a while, but to, to remember how to be social with one another. It's awkward. It's awkward. And to go through that and then do that on the, like you say, on the heels of getting married during a pandemic, it's like you're, you're already kind of re-entering the thing from a totally different vantage point. You're in a new town, you're in a new marriage it's it's a lot to deal with.
0: Also, when you're an adult, you don't have the things that you could rely on when you were younger, like school and after school activities. Yeah. Like when you're in your 20s, it's so much easier to socialize. And I was just talking to somebody recently about how church is one of those things that is so helpful to people in their lives when they're not in school anymore, their jobs ended, and they're elderly, and they're not alone anymore. Because Not that I'm (laughs) here to push people on church, but it was just an interesting (laughs) conversation where, I guess I knew that, but when I really thought about it, and I think this all came up also after my stepfather died, and I was talking to my friends, because my stepfather mainly spent his time with his brother and my aunt and, um, he wasn't a church goer or anything like that. So he had a very small world around him. Right. But, um, I don't know. You definitely have to actively, if you're not going to join a church, you definitely have to actively pursue friendships. And so you could try and be a, a regular at a coffee shop or a restaurant or a candy shop. You're
1: right. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah, it isn't set up for people that are not going to school or going to a regular function at a regular or church. Or church. Church.
0: You know? God. Yeah. Once
1: again, the churchgoers have a real leg up on <laughs> us, Dick.
0: I <laughs> know. Oh, well. Um, yeah, I well. guess the, the point is that you can't expect friends to walk up to you on the street. Uh, you have to find them. But also understand that you're – in a weird situation right now with the move and the pandemic and being an adult and whatever. So uh, Mimi J, listen to whatever Paul's saying. He's he's a very likable guy, and I don't care what he says about himself. Paul, we're going to take a short break, but sit tight because we will return with more questions. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. You can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Macy's, Sephora, and Zappos, and even stack deals on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. And we're back, Paul. This next one is from a listener who created the problem they are now asking us to solve. Megan writes, my kid is two and a half. We started telling her no ma'am when she's doing something she's not supposed to, sort of tongue in cheek. However, she has started telling everyone around her no ma'am in her most serious little toddler voice when something is going on that she doesn't like. It's hilarious and very cute, especially when she says it to manly men types like her dad. But of course, I also want her to be taken seriously when she says no, especially as she gets older. Do we need to change this habit now, despite the joy it brings us, or can we wait for her to grow out of it? I, uh, <laughs> I'm the I'm not the person to ask because my five year old twin sons say things they are absolutely not supposed to say and uh, we do not stop them ever. Yeah. So
1: I'm the same. I'm the, uh, I was the same with my kids. (laughs) It's just so fun to hear them say things incorrectly or say weird things or it's, they're going to grow out of it.
0: Yeah. It's the only time you get to hear them say the cute Ridiculous thing of a two year old saying no, ma'am, to a big burly
1: yeah.
0: man. Why would you stop that? Never. Never. Mm-mm. In fact, I feel like it would pack even more of a punch, even as she gets older, to say no, ma'am, to yep. uh, uh, <laughs> anybody.
1: If anything, the question should be how can we teach our daughter to hold on to this and say it l- uh, longer? As yes. she grows up.
0: Yeah. I, again, I am, I'm not the person
1: that. I think you are the person. I think you're a hundred percent right on this.
0: I don't know. I mean, my sons, their their problem is they casually just having lunch. My son, Max turned to Finn and they're talking about sports. And Max said, what the f- are you talking about? <sighs> and Finn said, I mean, it's true. They won the world series. Uh and it's it's not even there's nothing. Our backyard was leaking, the sprinkler exploded, and Mac, and Finn walked out and said, What the f happened here? And then when the the guy was fixing the yard and Finn calmed down, he genuinely just asked the guy, So uh what the f happened out here? <laughs> so that's that's what's going on at our house. And we've never gotten any feedback from the school. So I don't know. I'm not the person. But I do think it is one of the joys of having kids is to hear the cute and funny things that they say from a brain that is still developing and taking in what's around them from such a small amount of experiences, too, uh, and, and few words to make fit into scenarios. So, yeah, I think probably never again will you hear these kind of special <laughs> i'm acting like <laughs> is the special thing to hear <laughs> <laughs> it, but, but
1: i mean but come on what's better than uh, like hearing a really little kid innocently ask what the f- is going on here i guess yeah. that's just great
0: and you see just a sea of workmen in the backyard laughing so hard and yep. finn thinks he's meeting them at their level like hey buddy so what?" The going on out here, you know? <laughs> so uh, anyway, um, Megan, that's what Paul Rudden, I think. Paul, our next question was sent in by someone who goes by Birthday Bashed. Birthday Bashed writes, my friend and I are in our 30s. I don't care about my birthday at all. But she throws a big party for her birthday every year and gets disappointed when I can't come. I keep saying no, because we live across the country from each other, which makes it a really expensive trip. But if I'm honest, I also think it's dumb for adults to throw big birthday parties, unless it's a milestone birthday. Am I a horrible friend, or does she need to adjust her expectations? Um, Birthday bashed, I'm taking this personally because I feel like, unless there's a pandemic happening... I feel like you should always go all out if you can. That's my feeling is my wife and I before the pandemic we would find any reason to throw a party, any reason to celebrate. And I used to not do that, but when we got together I started really finding the value in vacations mm-hmm. and parties. I would have a party here or there, but man, she and I were like Mardi Gras party. Flag day, whatever was going on, we were throwing parties and we're very excited to get back into it. But I do think that your friend is asking that you get her a 500 to to $1,000 or more present when she's expecting you to fly across the country or drive. I mean, gas prices are high. But I don't think you're a terrible friend if you don't have a ton of free time or loads of cash to just drop everything and go. Even for a milestone birthday, I think you should feel lucky if people drop everything and come celebrate. Even if they're in the same town, it's nice that people show up. Paul, are you a celebratory guy?
1: Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more on this. I would say we should just seize every chance we get to celebrate
0: anything—milestone
1: mm-hmm. birthday, regular birthday. It doesn't; it, none of it matters. Take birthday out of it and just look mm-hmm. at the situation. Your friend wants you to come celebrate and have a good time. I'm quoting the entire song by Cool and the Gang right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> look, there's a there's a party going on right here. <laughs> and
0: <laughs> a celebration yeah, to last and- throughout the year i saw <laughs> cool in the gang open for van halen once oh man it was an incredible evening of music but anyway
1: that's a really interesting combination yeah and one you wouldn't expect
0: no anyway that's not
1: it's so easy to go down the van halen train, <laughs> which i'm also willing to do and the cool in the gang train but um you're right look it not everybody can afford to take time off of work or mm-hmm. spend the money to get and, and and you shouldn't ever be made to feel bad birthday bashed for that. If you no. can't do it, you can't do it. But if you can do it and maybe even just do it for one of the birthdays, just to shut them up for a while. But mm-hmm. if you did, if you did and you went, I think you would have a great time. And then yeah. when you have a great time, it's like, oh, Really, that's what life is about. Just try and collect as many of those as you can.
0: For sure. And I think that also your friend should um, just appreciate you just for the fact that you're alive and not be upset if you did miss this. Although, if you can go, I think you should. Or if you want to, I think you should. But a friendship calls for celebrating all the time and not just through parties but checking in on each other it's a it's a long-term commitment of caring for somebody not just at the party times if your friend doesn't understand that you can't drop your life or you don't have wads of money then maybe they're not a true friend but i think that if you want to and can go you should go party do it Go make a time of it. I want
1: somebody also to throw a birthday for a non-monumental birthday, like you know, we're celebrating (laughs) forty-six, and it's just my and make it as if it was your fiftieth birthday. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. eighteen, like just something huge. Yeah, that sounds fun. It should the off year.
0: Uh huh.
1: Why not make that massive?
0: Celebrate the off year. Yeah. Birthday bashed. Hope that helped. Paul, um, your experience in the world of confectionery might help for our last listener question.
1: Okay, I hope so.
0: Anna writes, Hey Tig, my wife and I are approaching our sixth wedding anniversary, and we usually follow the traditional gift themes, but this year it's iron. Someone created an alternative list, and they've decided that candy is a reasonable anniversary gift what iron slash candy gift would you give Stephanie do you have any anniversary traditions um we've never followed these lists but whenever I remember or am reminded about these lists I always think I want to start following those Do you follow those Paul
1: no no like the this is the wood anniversary. Like that kind of thing now, and I never do. There's something kind of nice about it. Yeah. Iron is tricky. I mean, if you want to combine it with candy, it's a little harder. Maybe it's a container that you serve the candy in, but-
0: Like an iron-
1: An iron bowl of filled with Skittles. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe um, some sort of artwork made out of iron.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Iron is it's easy to stumble upon. It's not a rare- element you know so uh it shouldn't be too hard to come by maybe just an iron
1: yeah i was just thinking maybe we should start selling gummy irons at our store you know Mm
0: -hmm. just that's a smart move paul
1: just for all people (laughs) celebrating their sixth anniversary Uh,
0: maybe you could also just maybe you should give you could give your wife an actual vending machine because i'm sure there's it's made of iron There's some iron in there, right?
1: Like uh, an old vintage one. Yes. That you can find on eBay. Yes. A vending machine. That's kind of a cool gift.
0: Yeah. Especially if you make her pay each time she gets candy. Speaking of vending machines, we took Max and Finn to a – they are so athletic. And we took them to a batting cage, Mm -hmm. Uh, the lesbian moms with their (laughs) kids Mm -hmm. at the batting cage. And they're just like – Plowing away at the baseballs and then they noticed inside that there was an arcade and they had never seen anything like that in their life. And oh. so we went inside and they were just, you know, dumping quarter after quarter after quarter after quarter into each of these games that they they've never played an arcade game. It never must have been a sensory
1: overload. From- I mean, oh my just gosh. a little.
0: They did and not only sense <laughs> sensory overload. They didn't know how to play the games, and it was just <laughs> coin after coin after coin in there, and um and they were getting frustrated after a while because anywhere from like Pac Man to that machine that has the claw that tries to grab the stuffed animal or candy right. out of the thing, they couldn't make anything happen, and I. Noticed a vending machine and I said, Oh my gosh, you guys should try this game. And um and so they put money in and just entered the the B twelve or whatever for the candy and it just fell. And they were like obsessed with this (laughs) game.
1: (laughs) This is the greatest game. I have found the greatest game.
0: And when we left, they talked about they were like, I can't wait to go back to the arcade to play that game.
1: What a brilliant thing to do, though. <laughs> I mean, Tig, hats off. That was really clever.
0: <laughs> and every time they got the candy that they wanted. Oh, my gosh. That's so smart. Eh, uh, well, you know, I was kind of impressed with myself. Yeah, I... it's really good. That's really that's really great. <laughs> well, and it'll only last for so long because, like I said, they're five. And and they're still excited about the Easter Bunny and all that kind mm. of stuff. And they've been uh-huh. home in a pandemic. So, once they start getting So really, it's like they're three. Yeah. And as I've told people for the past couple of years, um, for the first year of the pandemic, we told them they were on spring break. They didn't even know there was a pandemic. So oh, they man. just stayed home and played for a whole year. So we've pulled a few things over. You're doing
1: them. it right. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Oh, my gosh. You should try and get them to say no, ma'am. To <laughs> have everything. them stop
0: saying uh, or f- no, ma'am.
1: No f***ing way, ma'am. <laughs> no
0: fucking way, <laughs> ma'am. <sighs> All right. Anna, there you have it. Happy anniversary.
1: Yeah, happy anniversary.
0: Paul, we've now reached the final segment of the show. It's called Name That Thing. Name that thing. This is where my listeners write in when they need us to name a thing for them. Okay. Anything. From a beehive to a Wi-Fi network. The catch is they must use the name. This is binding, so we can't mess this up. Okay. Any questions before we proceed?
1: Nope. I'm all set.
0: Okay. Emily writes, hi, Tig, an unknown special guest. Um, Emily, it's Paul Rudd.
1: Hey, Emily. How you doing? I'm going to assume she's doing okay, even though I can't really get the response.
0: Yeah, yeah. Let's hope she's doing okay. Who knows when this came in? Life can turn at the drop of a hat. Yeah. Emily, I hope you're doing all right.
1: We both do, Emily. Hang in there.
0: (sighs) Hang in there, Emily. Emily continues to write, I recently got hired for a position I'm really excited about. While accepting the offer, the director mentioned that another employee has the same first and middle name as I do. She asked if I had any nicknames I could go by, but I don't. I'm in need of a new name. Any ideas? For context, my name is Emily, and I'm a librarian in a small-town public library. Thanks so much.
1: Oh, boy. (laughs)
0: <laughs> this is very odd what would you do paul if somebody said we already have a paul pick a new name yeah
1: um this is really tough because it, it's in a library in a small town yeah half of the names i was thinking of you, you can't use you're not going to use those
0: like what
1: i was thinking of uh Calypgian ideal was one I was thinking of in, in terms of like a of a of an email thing or something. I didn't know if that's why. Oh, okay. Which means perfectly rounded buttocks. It's I think it's it's <laughs> I, it, 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 it actually does mean that. Um, uh, but you don't want to use that. Not when you're a librarian. Or
0: you could use just perfectly round buttocks.
1: Yeah, but it's more fun when you have to Google it. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Or just a PRB. PRB. Just the initials. But this is, wait, she needs to be called by a different name?
0: Yes. And you know what I'm thinking? I find this offensive. I'm upset with the boss here, the director. It seems like a big well, ask. I was going to say who wants to change her name, but I'm sure there are people that are like, oh, I hate my name. And let's assume Emily's already thought of the obvious of M. But if I were you, Emily, I would take the name Boss. Oh,
1: boss Hmm. how about that that's pretty good yeah yeah
0: and then this boss has to call emily boss paul what do you say
1: i mean i like your thinking on this um i don't know this boss i i I mean i think it's a really big thing to ask Mm -hmm. a grown-up to -hmm. change their name something tells me even though there's another Emily, mm-hmm. they'd be able to each use the name Emily and figure it out. <laughs>
0: that's a really good it point. It seems it seems I know, didn't even think about that. Like yeah,
1: <laughs> Emily 2. We had
0: <laughs> Emily 3.
1: Emily 3. What if she goes by Emily 3 a- and yeah. then there's only two of them and then it creates even more confusion cuz somebody will think that wait, was there another Emily that's not here anymore?
0: Or number 1.
1: When uh, my kids were little, we had a babysitter named Emily, and they couldn't say her name. They called her Mimi. Mm -hmm. They were trying to say Emily. Sure. And so she always went by Mimi. So whenever I hear Emily, I sometimes just think Mimi.
0: Okay. Um, So we have Mimi, we have Boss.
1: And then Emily, too.
0: Emily, too. What about Captain? I feel like it should be a bold statement because it's a bold request. So like, oh, you want me to change my name? Okay. Call me captain. Call me boss. Or Mimi.
1: Cap. 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 Hmm? Captain. Captain is pretty good.
0: Captain. Um, Sheriff.
1: Lieutenant. Comptroller.
0: Mm -hmm. It's
1: not as high ranking. Mayor. Mayor. What about the mayor?
0: Well, you know, it's funny because my kids call me mayor. It's French for mother. M-E-R-E. Mayor, mm-hmm. but my son Max always calls me mayor. I think it's because he watches Paw Patrol and mm-hmm. there's a mayor on there. Yeah. But yeah, I like mayor.
1: What about Cowboy Emily?
0: Paul, you brought it full circle.
1: I mean, right? Cowboy Emily.
0: <laughs> you know what? Everybody listening right now is lucky that I'm not on a downslope in my roller coaster of emotions that I've been on for two weeks because that would have made me cry two days ago. I'm all for Cowboy Emily.
1: I think, you know, Cowboy (laughs) lives on in, in unexpected ways and in unexpected places. Libraries too.
0: Oh my God, that's perfect because my stepfather, after he retired, my brother and I were like, what was your dream job that you never got to do or that you could have done when you retired? And he said he would never do it, but um, was librarian.
1: Oh, my God. Really? Yes. We've got the name.
0: (laughs) It's Cowboy Emily.
1: Cowboy Emily.
0: Or is it Cowboy M? M. Cowboy M.
1: Cowboy M. Cowboy M.
0: Cowboy M. Emily, your work name is now... Cowboy M or Cowboy Emily. I'm going to give some flexibility here because I do feel yeah. like Cowboy Emily has a nice ring to it. It does. Like Cowboy Rick. I mean, it's just, these are good names. So you are welcome. And please write us back and let us know how Cowboy Emily works for you. Paul Rudd, nicely done. Oh. I mean, and how crazy. I I can't wait to call my brother and tell him that because I just
1: that cowboy Rick wanted to be a librarian. I mean, it just God. it fits so perfectly. Maybe oh. this maybe this is all, you know, circuitous and done yeah. for a reason. There was a reason that her boss said, You gotta come up with a new name. There was yes. a reason Emily wrote in to you. Agreed. And unspecified guest.
0: So I'm a little bit stunned now that I put that extra piece into place and I really can't wait to call my brother. To think. <laughs> Can you believe this? Uh, Because we really did encourage him over the years to just follow your dream, become a librarian. And he just didn't. All right. Paul Rudd, do you have anything you'd like to mention to our listeners?
1: Just that I adore you, Tig. And I think your listeners must be pretty cool because they're listening to you. So... I have nothing, nothing else to say other than that. I'm honored to be on your show. You know, I'm I really happy about the the librarian part of it. the the other The other two uh, the advice I forgot <laughs> that was useless. I didn't Not offer true. anything worthwhile. Uh, I I didn't really give any insight, but I'm glad about. Oh I'm glad we gosh. came up with Cowboy Emily. It was all worth it for that.
0: I got chills on my arms. Thank you for doing the show and for coming up with Cowboy Emily. And Cowboy Emily, you gotta use it! All right. uh, thanks again for taking the time, Paul. I'll I'll see you soon.
1: Sounds good, Tig. Thanks.
0: Goodbye, sir. Bye. Hello again. Now that this episode is over, you have no excuse. Make your way to tignotaro.com to reserve your seats for my next live and in-person show. To your Don't Ask Tig is hosted by me, Tig Notaro. It's produced by Thomas Willett, Shana Deloria, and Ryan Lohr. Our executive producer and editor is Beth Perlman. Engineering and sound mixing by Johnny Vince Evans. Eric Romani and Derek Ramirez. Digital production by James Napoli. Talent booking by Marianne Ways. Production support from Pizza Shark. Our theme music is Friend and Tig by Edie Brickell and Kyle Krusham. And Listen to Your Heart by Edie Brickell. Special thanks to Hunter Seidman. APM Studios executives in charge are Chandra Kavati, Alex Schaffert, and Joanne Griffith concept developed by tracy mumford our executive consultant is dean capello and gobsmack studios you can always ask for advice at don'tasktig.org just write in with your problem or send us a voice memo remember to follow us on social media at don't ask tig don't ask tig is a production of american public media and as always thanks dana and i'll tell becky